Thank you for joining me, Patricia Casey, today for You Can Cook Too. And the recipe we'll do is pork chops with wild mushrooms and cider cream sauce. I saw this recipe when I was looking online for something nice to do with some pork chops that I had in the fridge. And I came across this in the Irish Times just a few weeks ago. And it is... It, it's, it, it consists, it's a series of recipes developed by some chefs during COVID and it's called Kitchen Cabinet. And the, the chef who wrote about this recipe is James Cullinan, who is the head chef in Longville House in Mallow in my own County Cork. And it's a lovely recipe to do. It's surprisingly easy and fast and it would be lovely for a supper party. Now, in the paper, it was advertised as a typical midweek recipe, but really I would have thought it's of a calibre to be a weekend special recipe. And this is the recipe for two people. You need two pork chops, approximately 250 grams each, and at least two to two and a half centimetres thick, if you can get them. In fact, the ones I used were a lot thinner than that. You need a tablespoon of vegetable oil. You need some salt and 200 grams of mushrooms. They can be wild mushrooms, which you can buy in packets and just slice them. Or if you can't get the wild mushroom mix, use sliced button or chestnut mushrooms or a combination of them. But slice them rather than cut them into chunks because when they're in the sauce, they look just more pleasing if they're flat and thinnish rather than uh, clunky big pieces like marbles. You also need um, a handful of flat leaf parsley. And in fact, if you don't have flat leaf parsley, you can use coriander or indeed ordinary parsley. Cider cream sauce, you need 50 grams of butter. And do use butter rather than a low fat spread. It tastes much better and it, 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 it turns out just overall silkier. So 50 grams of butter, a half uh, a teaspoon of black pepper, two cloves of garlic, which you've um, either chopped up or bashed with a, a rolling pin or put through a, a garlic, a, a garlic press, whichever, but two cloves, two sprigs of thyme. That, now, I use fresh thyme. If you were using dried thyme, you would use less than that because dried thyme our dried um, herbs of any sort are much stronger than the fresh herbs. But I love the, the fresh herbs and I've recently started growing them and um, we'll come to that in a little while. You need 200 mils of cider, uh, dry cider, 150 mils of stock. If you can get pork stock or you have pork stock cubes, use it. If not, use chicken or vegetable stock. It doesn't actually matter. And 100 mils of cream that's double cream single cream doesn't work in cooking recipes where you have to add it to stock it separates so use double cream or what is called cooking cream and if you don't want to use cream you can use the emla which is a mix of buttermilk and i think soy soy cream or something um, it actually tastes quite good and the double cream in that works as well and it's less it's lower in calories than the ordinary cream so 100 mils of cream that will not split 
during cooking. You preheat your oven to 180 degrees centigrade and you take the chops and you put a crisscross pattern into the fat side of the pork chop. So make sure they have a bit of fat in them. It's actually essential that you leave the fat on, on the top of the pork chops. And it helps if you sort of pile them on top of one another. And it's easier to crisscross them that way with a very sharp knife. And then you put the frying pan with the vegetable oil, the tablespoon of vegetable oil over a low heat. And you put the chops so that they're standing up but the fat side is facing down in the fat. And as the fat gets hotter, fat will be rendered from it and the uh, the tops of them will become brown. So you'll then have it look like what's almost crackling on top. Then you uh, season, you leave all of the fat and the oil in, in the pan. Then you, you lay the, you season the chops with the salt and the uh, freshly ground black pepper and you turn the heat up and you sear each side of the flat chop, which is lying flat now for about a minute on each side until they've become slightly golden brown. And then you take them and put them into a baking tray in your preheated oven. It should be up to temperature, up to the 180 degrees at this point. So you put them into a, um, a baking tray or a dish and you cook them for about six minutes, turning them halfway through. And then when they've cooked and you, you, you remove them and leave them to rest for a while, and you prepare the mushroom sauce. Before you actually um, start to eat them, by the way, and when you've after you've added the mushroom sauce, you won't be cooking them for much longer. So you need to make sure that they're properly cooked right through and that there's no red coming through. So I think at this point, when you when when you when you take them out of the oven and you're going to pour the mushroom sauce on them, just check that they're well cooked because if there's any red liquid coming from them, they could potentially be dangerous and they need to be cooked fully. So you put your chops in the baking tray, you're going to cook them for six minutes. That in my experience does the trick and they are fully cooked. And then when they're when they're cooked, you remove them and put them aside. Meanwhile, you go back to the pan and remember the juices from the oil and from the um, the, the pork fat are in the pan. And to that, you add the mushroom mix and you 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 um, you 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 add the mushrooms to that. If you want, you can fry off some of the mushroom mix for about 30 seconds just to reduce it a little bit. But and, and then you add the mushrooms with the salt and the pepper once they are in the pan. The the mushrooms will cook themselves with when you've added the salt to them. You don't actually need too much fat at all. And that's one of the reasons why it's good to fry off some before you add the mushrooms, because the salt will draw the juices out of the mushrooms and give them a lovely, rich, mushroomy flavour that, that might be a bit bland if you didn't do that. So the salt over them brings out the juices. You may have to fry the mushrooms in two batches, depending on how many you're cooking for. But in any event, you, you, cook, you fry them and you then take them out of the pan and put them aside to keep them nice and, and hot. You put them on a plate or something into uh, uh, the oven turned very low. You then make the cider cream sauce. And what you do is you take the pan from which you've, in which you've cooked the pork chops and from which you've now removed the mushrooms and you just wipe up off any excess 
fat with a kitchen, a paper kitchen towel. Don't wash the pan. You need those sort of smells and fragrances and taste left in the pan. And then you add the butter to that and s some black pepper, some gar all the garlic and the thyme. And you, you add that as the, the butter is melting. And once the pan is hot uh, and you've turned up, you'll turn up the heat, you pour in the cider to deglaze it. And you reduce it in half, and then you add the stock. And then you simmer it for about a minute, um, make it all blend together and to uh, heat it fully. And then you um, add the cream, you stir in the cream. And as I say, the cream should not separate if it's double cream you're using. And you bring it to a, a simmer and then you put the mush mushrooms back into this cider, butter, cream, stock mix. And you reduce it in to, to the consistency of about single cream. So, so you just reduce it a little bit. It won't thicken very much, but that's okay. It'll be like single cream. And then you take the pork chops, which you've been keeping hot in, in a, an oven that you've either turned off or turned very low. And you add the mushrooms to the, you've, you'll have added the mushrooms to the cream mix and you pour that over the pork chops in the middle of your serving plates. And you garnish with some chopped parsley on top and you can serve it with new potatoes or indeed with mashed potatoes. It's really Moorish with mashed potatoes and a seasonal green vegetable like broccoli or chard. Uh, I haven't tried cabbage with it, but I think cabbage would work with it and leeks would work with it. So that's your choice. In fact, I used um, carrots, steamed carrots the other night and they were delicious with it. So enjoy cooking this lovely mushroom, pork and cream dish. I, I started thinking about gardens because the other night when I was preparing this, I went outside to get thyme. I've started growing herbs, um, not in a patch like most people would do, but in there are these pots that have kind of spouts coming out of them. And I never knew what they were for until recently. Um, I discovered that they're actually for herbs. And so I bought two of them and um, my gardener, bless him, uh, at my request, put in some herbs and the thyme is thriving. So I went out to get some thyme and I began to think about gardens. And of course, what did I think of but the song, An English Country Garden? I think it was probably helped by the fact that I was sent um, a, a YouTube clip of um, somebody singing it, a man called Jamie Williams singing it um, a few a few days ago, in fact, by a friend of mine who loves sending me all of these things. And we all do it during COVID. It's to kind of take away the boredom and cheer us all up. And this was a gorgeous YouTube clip. So if you get the YouTube clip, have, have, a, have a watch and a listen to it. Now, the song An English Country Garden is actually based on an earlier song called Country Gardens. And the song Country Gardens goes back to 1728 when it was um, written, when we think, by um, a man called uh, Thomas Walker in 1728 who lived in Oxfordshire in the Cotswolds. 
And it was written by him for an opera called the Quaker's Opera. And it was also played in those days on the accordion or the fiddle to accompany English Morris dancers. So it's a quintessential English tune. And when you hear it, you'll recognise it and you will, yes, indeed, you will think of English country gardens. But at that point, it was called Country Gardens. And then in 2006, a musician called Cecil Sharp discovered it, rediscovered it, I should say, and he passed it on to a composer called Percy Granger. Now, Percy Granger is Australian and he's Australia's best known composer. And he was born in Melbourne in 1882 and he emigrated to America at about the age of 24. He was a pianist, a conductor and a composer. And he emigrated to America at a young age and became an American citizen. And from America, he, he did go back to Melbourne shortly after his mother's death by suicide, which he found absolutely devastating. But he went back to the United States again after that and settled there permanently. And he um, adapted the music. Um, it became a very popular piece of music. The sheet music even outsold the orchestral music. And he wrote to his friend Cecil Sharp, who had given him the music in the first place for him to arrange for an orchestra. And he contacted his friend Sharp and begged him to let him share the royalties because Granger said he felt guilty at having earned so much and not being able to share it with the man who gave him the tune in the first place. I don't know if Sharp agreed or not. But anyway, it became very well known. And you, you hear it played today if you're a regular um, lyric listener um, you'd Lyric FM listener, you'd hear it played regularly. But then in 1960, the lyrics were written by a man called Robert uh, K. Jordan and were sung by Jimmy Rogers in 1960. That was just two years before Percy Granger passed away. And he recorded it. And it was by then the name had changed to an English country garden. And you will all know it, recognize it when you hear it. So here it is, initially written by Thomas Walker, adapted by Percy Granger and sung by Jimmy Rogers to the words composed, written by Robert Jordan. Enjoy. How many kinds of sweet flowers grow in an English country garden? I'll tell you now of some that I know, and those I miss you'll surely pardon. Daffodil hearts, season flocks, meadow sweet and lady smocks, gentine lupin and tall hollyhocks, roses, foxgloves, snowdrops, forget-me-nots. In an English country garden In an English country garden How many insects come here and go Through our English country garden I'll tell you now of some that I know And those I miss you'll surely pardon 
fireflies, moss and bees, spiders climbing in the trees, butterflies that sway on the cool, gentle breeze. There are snakes, ants that sting, and creeping things in an English country garden. In an English country garden. How many songbirds fly to and fro through our English country garden? I'll tell you now of some that I know, and those I miss you'll surely pardon. Bobolink, cuckoo, and quail, tanager, and cardinal, bluebird, lark, Russian nightingale. There is joy in the spring when the birds begin to sing in an English country garden. In an English country garden. Robin, 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 don't forget the Robin. Don't forget the Robin, 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 Robin. don't forget the Robin. Oh.